1 Kings 19, uh, verses 11 to 13. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Amen. Thank you so much for reading that word. Well, welcome once again, guys. Here we are, 2020, and uh, I have an anniversary right at this time, which uh, you could either mourn or be happy about. I've actually presented over 100 messages to Sunnybank as of tonight. So there you go. So I was quite surprised that it went that quickly, to be quite honest. But I have to tell you, uh, this message that I'm bringing you tonight, I actually uh, really struggled with. We're commencing a new series this evening, uh, and it is about hearing from God. And uh, my desire in presenting this series, and we as pastors, is that we can give you some practical uh, ideas on how you can actually put this stuff in place, how you can actually hear from God. And and we want to create our evening series as such that you're going to learn from it, and you're going to grow. And and that's my desire in doing this. I had this incredible message that just had so much information information in it and uh, God told me to scrap it. So um, tonight I'm actually going to give you a little bit from the word but then I'm going to give you um, some of my experiences in hearing from God. So tonight's basically going to be a testimony of some of the stuff God's done through myself and my wife and our family. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, What we also want to encourage too, which I haven't done for this evening, but I want you to think about any questions that you may have in relating to hearing from God. And again, we're going to have the box up the front as of next week, and uh, you can actually write questions and put it into that box, and we will answer those questions if you present those. But we want, again, we want you to grow. There's no question that's silly. There's no question that shouldn't be asked. Uh, we want you to grow. We want, you, we want to help you in this. So before we get into this now, let's just pause and pray. Father God, you're a good God, and uh, I trust you. And Lord, uh, what you've done for me this evening uh, is for a reason and a purpose, and I trust that I've heard your voice correctly and that you've called me to change this. But Lord, we want to hear from you. So I pray tonight that uh, as, as I speak, that the truth of your word will come through and that you will speak, Lord, and that we will respond to you and that we'll be drawn closer to you. And that, Father, we don't only hear your voice, but we learn to acknowledge your voice and we learn to put in place things that will draw us closer to you. So, Father, continue to mix amongst us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So I suppose the first thing we have to ask uh, as we come into this topic and everything like that is, do you know God's voice? Have I missed a slide? Oh, something weird's happened there, guys. I'll let you play with it, eh? So (laughs) give me a thumbs up when you think you got the first one. Do you know God's voice? Um, So it's my firm belief and conviction that every one of us can actually hear and know God's voice. I have no doubt whatsoever that we can learn to know that. This is not something that's reserved for particularly spiritual people. It's not something reserved for the elite. And it's certainly not something for just the pastors. Not quite. 
John 10.27 tells us that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I'm not sure if you know much about farms and things like that, and I can't speak for sheep, but I remember when Elena first came out to my brother-in-law's farm, uh, we went out to where the cattle were, and uh, he decided that he was going to move the cattle from one paddock to the other paddock, and so he opened the gate. Do we have any farmers here? Oh, wow. So maybe none of you know this. So he opened the gate to the cows, and then we went up over the hill, and Russell, my brother-in-law, thank you, went out, and he's standing there with the cattle over the other side of the hill in a paddock with the gate open and he just went come on and Elena said what's he doing I said oh he's calling the cows and Elena's like what's he really doing and I said no no seriously he's calling the cows because come on Charlie what's he really for some reason she thinks I'm a practical joker or something I don't know so anyway I said no seriously he is calling the cows and she goes what and they'll just come I said you watch and so we're down this other side of the hill and so Russell calls again come on And it wasn't long before all these cows came flying over the hill. You see, they knew Russell's voice. And they knew that when Russell called, there was going to be feed waiting for them on the other side of the hill. And so they came because they acknowledged his voice. It was a big lesson for Elena about how farmers do some of their work. So in this case, it's the sheep that hears his voice. And it's the sheep that respond to him. That's what is actually being said in this passage of Scripture. And all throughout the Bible, all throughout history, and all throughout my own life, there's been many, many clear examples of God speaking to all types of people in all walks of life. No one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour is excluded from this. Everyone can hear his voice. And the foundational bedrock of hearing God's voice must always be Scripture. I'll see if I can catch up now. 10.27, 10.27, yeah. So Romans 10.17, okay. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Foundational to everything we do. When we become students of the word, when we study that, when we dig into it constantly, applying God's word to our life, seeking him, we're less likely to stray. We're less likely to have someone mislead us with a word from God, which isn't actually from him. So first and foremost, the primary thing is we must know the word. We must study it. We must need, we must believe it. And we must know that this is not just a book. It's far more than that. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And when we approach God, when we approach his word, we need to believe that he is going to speak to us. I know that we have this habit of just reading the word and ticking the box and saying that's done for the day. But we should just take the time to believe that he is going to speak to us through that word. And we should approach his word with that attitude. And I can tell you, there's literally hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times, when I have been reading scripture and this verse has just jumped out at me and slapped me in the face. Who's experienced that? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And this is God's word speaking to us. It's a a word that is alive. It literally jumps off the page at us. And sometimes it's been incredibly clear to me what God has been saying. In fact, most times it's incredibly clear what God has been saying. But sometimes that word has jumped off the page and I've been like, I don't know what, God, what you're saying here, God. And I've prayed and asked him to show me what it is that he's saying. And that verse has not been for me. That verse has been for someone else. And he's laid someone on my heart. And so I've either text messaged them, messaged them, emailed them, that particular verse. And it's amazing the amount of times that I've lost track. 
that that person's come back to me and said, man, I don't know why you sent that verse, but it's just what I needed at that time. It's exactly what I needed to read. That is what God does for us. And he wants to communicate with us. He's waiting to reveal to us his word, his message. Can I encourage you? Each and every day, spend time praying and reading God's word. When you prepare to read that word, ask God to speak to you through it. Don't rush. Take your time. Make sure you commit time to it. Make an appointment with God. I know that sounds like a cliche, but make an appointment. Set aside time and say, this is God's time. No one else is going to break in on that. And if something else comes up, even if someone calls you and says, can I meet you? Say, look, I'm sorry, I've got another appointment. Because you do, you have an appointment with God. And set that time aside. Don't rush it. Ask God to speak to you through that time. And I tell you, I can testify that when you ask God to speak to you, he will. It may not happen the first time. You may need to continue to do this for a while. But when you provide time and space for him to speak to you, he will do it without doubt. He's done it so many times for me. I believe there's many other ways that God speaks to us, and I'll give you a quick rundown on those. But I really want you to remember the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. There is absolutely no no way of getting around that. So first and foremost, God speaks to us through his word. We've already discussed that. He can also speak to us through dreams and visions. And I know a few people will start getting freaked out as we go through some of this stuff, but uh, this does still happen. And and when we look at Scripture, we see in Acts 2.17 that this is one of the things that it actually says, in the last days. What are the last days? The last days are those days that are between the ascension of Christ and his return. So are we in the last days? Yes, thank you. Yes, we're in the last days. Okay, so in the last days, what's going to happen? Your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. Is that what this passage says? Yep, they will dream dreams. And, you know, this is a reality for us. I know this doesn't happen so much in the Western world, and I I think it could be because of a hardness of heart amongst us, amongst myself. But you speak to those Muslims who've had dreams about the Lord Jesus Christ, who've had visions about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they've come to faith as a result of that. The Lord is still active in giving people dreams and visions. There's no doubt at all about that. There's others who take great steps of faith as a result of a dream that they have, firmly believing that God has directed them to do so. And they do so also with the visions that they've had. And there's also what's called trances. And uh, this is a little bit freaky, I suppose, and you wonder what a trance is. But what actually happens in a trance situation is that people become unaware of their surroundings and, and this vision, this waking vision takes over. And trust me, when you're up the front here, you see some people like that on Sundays, but I'm not sure if they're having this type of trance or not or if it's something else that's going on. But this one, This one is about Peter. And if you remember, Peter had this trance or this vision, this waking vision, that all these animals were being 
lowered down from the sky and they were clean and unclean that were mixed. And he was told to take and kill and eat these things. And he said, I'll never do it. I won't do anything that's unclean, Lord. I've never allowed that to happen. And as he was having this battle with God over this vision and everything like that, there was a knock on the front door. And lo and behold, there was a guy there who was a Gentile, you know, those filthy, unclean people. And he was talking about his master who wanted him to go and proclaim the gospel message to him. And suddenly he understood this trance, this vision that he had. And he went and these men, as a result, were led to faith. And so this this trance is a bit of a waking dream. I also believe that as in the passage of scripture that we read this evening, that the Lord speaks to us in that still, quiet voice. I think sometimes we expect God to do such really big things and we're so active in our life, we want God to intervene into all that busyness and everything like that. But that is not the way that God often speaks. God often speaks in that quiet voice. And it's only when we take a step back, it's only when we distance ourselves from those things that distract that God is able to speak into our lives. And so it's that still, quiet voice, as Elijah heard in response to being on that mountain. Sometimes, when we think about that quiet voice, we misunderstand it as being our conscience. But when it is God who speaks to me, he's calling me to do something generally. He's calling me to pray for someone. He's calling me to read the word. He's calling me to contact someone, encourage someone, build someone up. It's an action that I wouldn't do if I wasn't a Christian. It's something that promotes faith. And so I believe that it's actually from God. And it's a voice that can easily be missed. Something that if we don't pay attention to, it can ultimately be silenced and we won't hear it any longer. We're called to pay attention to these things. We're called to be discerning and to learn God's voice. We can also hear God's voice through trusted Christian friends. And as a pastor, uh, I'm required by Queensland Baptist to have a mentor And I really rely on my mentor to so often be that voice of reason, that voice I can trust. And he speaks not always good stuff, but he speaks what he believes is God's direction for me so often. And uh, my wife and I have recently set up a support group as well. And we want those people to do the same thing. We want them to be those trusted Christian people who are able to say, hey, Charlie, you're wrong in this case. And, And when we have something, a decision that we have to face... We will go to these people. I'll go to my mentor. We'll go to these people that we trust. We'll ask them to pray and discern what God is saying. And you know, because some of you have come to me with some big decisions in your life, and the first thing I've told you is, surround yourself with some trusted Christian people. Get them to pray. And then get them to come back and tell you what God is saying. And I have to tell you, I'm totally amazed the amount of times that this happens And the people come back. They haven't been together. They come back and they discuss what God has said. And it's not always exactly the same, but there's always a common thread that winds through everything that is said. And God always gives clear direction in those cases. I want you to think about Peter when he spoke to Cornelius in this case, or Ananias as he spoke to Saul. They were those words of God in the midst of that. And there's a number of others who made pretty serious life decisions in the midst 
of hearing God's voice through others. And God often speaks to us through circumstances as well. So many are discouraged uh, when they face struggles or difficulties or painful circumstances. And uh, it's in the midst of those things that God often meets us and speaks with us and we grow and we understand him so much more. And so it's through those circumstances that God does that. This passage is one I preached on last Sunday morning and it's one of the most abused passages and misrepresented passages in scripture. And this passage is about Paul. And it's not about Paul receiving strength to do some superhuman thing. It's not about Paul um, being able to be given power to overcome certain problems. This is about Paul being content with Jesus Christ in the midst of his circumstances. And he's learnt that through listening to God. He's learnt that by being assured that even in the most dark circumstances, God is present with him. And when he had an abundance, when he was full, when he was living life to the best, he was still in God's presence. He still experienced God's presence and he was content. If you go and read that passage of scripture, you'll see that's exactly what it is saying in context. And I think there's many other things that could actually be added to this list. This is just a few. And what's going to happen over the coming weeks is we're going to pick out a few of these things and we're going to actually expound on them. We're going to give you some indications of how you can hear from God in specific situations. And next week we're going to be speaking um, about prayer. So uh, get ready for that. It should be very good. And uh, Pastor Jeff is going to come and talk to us on that next week. So when we have times of rest... God can speak to us in the midst of that because we get away from the hustle and bustle of life. For me, I find that when I get out into nature, God speaks to me there, especially when I sit by the sea. On my personal retreat days, I sit by the sea somewhere and God just seems to really speak to me in those situations. When we take simple actions, something that God has prompted us to do, he can often speak to us in those situations as well. Uh, when we set aside time in personal retreat to engage with him, God can speak very powerfully in those times because you're sacrificing time for him and he acknowledges that sacrifice. Same thing when we're fasting in prayer. Uh, many have testified that God speaks to them through music, that God speaks to them through reading a good book, God speaks to them through general conversation with other believers and doing life with people and things like that, prayer, which we've already mentioned, journaling. Journaling is one of the most encouraging things for people who actually journal because they see and they write their difficulties, their struggles and everything like that, and then they write how they come out of that. And if they face struggles again, they go back to their journal and they can see God has done it and they can confirm that God has moved and spoken to them and encouraged them and strengthened them before and they believe he'll do it again. So journaling is also a good thing. And it's important that in all the ways that God speaks to us, and you may have other ways that I haven't mentioned, but it's so, so important that we know the word so that when God speaks to us, it doesn't contradict what his word says. Even if it slightly contradicts his word, it is not of God. Please hear that and believe it. I've had so many experiences in my life where, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it was because I was a regional area though or what, but we used to have a lot of evangelists that came, tent evangelists and things like that. And these people would rock up to you and tell you they were prophets. And then when you saw them outside of that situation, they were potty mouths, they weren't prophets. I mean, they were disgusting, some of the things those people said. 
And so they were discounted as that person they proclaimed to be because their lives didn't add up to the declaration that they were making. So whoever or whatever should not contradict scripture and neither should their life contradict the character of God. I want to give you some practical examples. It was interesting just doing this because as I say, I, I prepared this very late this afternoon. And I said, God, what are some of the things that I can actually talk about? And so I very quickly wrote down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine things that have happened in our time here at SDBC, which have been big things, things that God did. And so I'm going to start talking to you about these. You can put your hands up and stop me uh, whenever you want, because uh, I could go on all night. This is only the stuff that's happened recently, last three years anyway. I want to talk to you first and foremost about our call to this church called Sunnybank District Baptist Church. And uh, I was having a situation in my last church where it was untenable, we could no longer continue. And uh, we had discussed for a while, Elena and I, whether I should stay or whether I should go. And of course, there was concerns about supporting our children uh, in their schooling at the time, uh, paying bills and those types of things. And the situation arose where both Elena and I prayed and we said, no, now's the time to leave. And, and we had nowhere to go. We did, weren't aware of Sunnybank at that stage. And so um, Elena said, yep, I think, I think now's the time. And so I resigned from that position having nowhere to go and, and we were in a bit of a concern about what we should be doing and uh, what God was doing in the midst of this because we had been praying earnestly, asking him to show us the way forward. And all we knew was that we had to take this step of faith and trust that God was going to work something out for us. And so um, in, in, from the time I resigned to the time that I actually left um, Birkdale, um, I had actually applied for the job here and um, my final day um, we hadn't heard anything. I was like, wow, this ain't so good. Elena and I had spoken and I was going up the coast uh, for something and as I left to go up the coast um, I got a message on my phone and the message was, can you come for an interview at SDBC? And I was like, that is perfect timing. I've just wrapped up at Birkdale and here we are getting this message. And uh, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Was anyone here on the interview panel? No. I actually um, got the flu um, just after that, and they phoned me for the first round of interviews, and I actually couldn't get out of my bed. And I thought, that's it. Kiss that job goodbye. And this proves how faithful God is. And they said, oh, look, we'll get back to you. So they phoned me back, and they said, no, we'll put you into the second round of interviews if you can make that. And uh, I'm not sure if you've actually had a flu, not a cold, but an actual flu. And uh, what happens is you usually catch something straight after that. So I actually got pneumonia straight after the flu. So when they phoned me for the second round of interview, I was just getting over my pneumonia. I was coughing nonstop. So I spent two and a half hours in the interview coughing nonstop. And somehow, by God's grace, they thought I was okay for the job. So here I am. So that's really cool. As you know, last year... There's a number of struggles for me in the church and I went away for a period of time and uh, when I went home to my wife and said, I, I just have to have a break, um, she said, you need to go away and sort this out with God. And so I went away to Harvey Bay, Roaring Metropolis, as you know, Tim. Awesome place, awesome place, especially if you want peace and quiet. That's great. So I went up there and, and, and I petitioned God, I prayed to God, I asked God just to show me what he was doing at Sunnybank, what he wanted us to do. And, and I wasn't coming back, that's the honest truth. I was convinced that was it for me, I wasn't coming back to Sunnybank. And God clearly said to me at that time, it was just this conscious thought that I'm here until the end. And I was like, what's that mean, God? 
So I prayed through that. I asked him to show me what it was he was trying to say. And he didn't clarify that. He just kept saying, you're there until the end. And so I came back to Elena. Elena's like, so did God say anything? I said, yep. I said, he said, I'm here until the end. She goes, yeah. I said, oh, cool. So you know about this? I said, what's the end? She goes, I don't know. So we're here until the end. If you know what that is, let me know. But uh, that, that's what God said to us at that time. And what's really, really exciting and encouraging for us, um, those of you who are part of that journey for us, we were actually looking for a house and we we're trying to find a house and we didn't find that house and everything like that. So before I went away, that for me was confirmation that, hey, we're not staying here long. If we're not putting our roots down, then we're going to move on. So maybe this is time for us to go. And so when God said that, no, you're staying at Sunnybank until the end, uh, we came and I, I recommitted here very, very firmly. And I think I said the first week back, I'm here until the end. We're not leaving. We're, we're putting our roots down. And um, it was really interesting because a little bit after that, Elena and I said, well, if we're here, then we've got to find a house. And uh, we had been looking and we stopped. So it was a six-month search. We hadn't found anything. And we're like, this is crazy. And so we, we got on our knees again and we said, God, if, if you want us to stay, you've got to give us a house. You've got to show us that this is where we're going to be. And so we sat down. I literally opened up realestate.com and the first house that popped up was this house at 20 Nambung Place. And so we looked at this house. We, we had been praying as a family. Our children can testify to this. We made a list of what we believe God was saying we needed in a house so we could minister the way that we should. And, and, and uh, this house that we saw advertised by the advertisement didn't actually have all those things. And anyway, we said, well, we wanted a bigger than four-bedroom house, but we'll go for this house that's within the budget. We'll go and have a look. Uh, those of you who haven't been to our house, uh, our house is actually four bedrooms, a study, a music room, a 9.1 by 4.3 covered, fully enclosed entertainment area, two big lounge rooms, massive kitchen. And we're just walking through this house going, are you kidding me? God, this is incredible. This is, this is exactly and more what we prayed for. And so... God showed us just by doing that, that this was the house for us. And, and as we thought about purchasing this house, um, it's interesting because Elena and I usually walk through houses together. We've done this a few times. But for some reason, we separated in this house and we came back and we stood right at the end of the kitchen bench. And I jokingly, half jokingly, because I believe this was their house, said to Elena, let's put a contract on it. And Elena goes, oh yeah. And I was like, wow, that is so not Elena. And so I was like, okay, we'll do that. And we're waiting to speak to the real estate agent. And, and I'm just like, oh, Lord, if this is like, if we're rushing, please show us. You know, I need to know that this is our house and everything like that. And I just got this sense that we had to offer above the asking price. I was like, oh, okay. So anyway, I said to Elena, I said, hey, Dale, I said, we, we've got to offer above the asking price. And she's like, how much, Charlie? I said, at this stage, only a thousand bucks. And she's like, okay, no worries, we can do that. Then uh, that house was only a few hundred metres from the house we were renting. And as we drove home, I believe God gave me this sense that we had to actually offer more money. So by the time I got home, I said, Elena, look, um, I know I said a thousand bucks, but I believe God's now saying that we've got to offer more money. She goes, how much? I said, we've got to offer another 5,000 above. And she's like... I don't know, Charlie. I said, well, I need you to think about it because when we go to the agent this afternoon and we make this offer, I've got to know before we go in the office. I don't want to be talking about it in front of the agent. So anyway, we got to the office and we're in the car park. I said to Elena, I said, hey, look, I said, what's God saying? She goes, I don't know. And she goes, can you show me the photos again? So I gave her my phone and she's flicking through the photos as we walk to the door. And she goes, yep, do it. So anyway, we went in and as we sat down, this real estate agent, he so acted like I did when I was a real estate agent. He said, Charlie, he said, I've got to be honest with you, there's three offers going in this afternoon. Your first offer has to be your best offer. We won't be negotiating. 
I'll present all the offers to the owners and they'll take the one that they like best. So Alana agreed that we should offer them more money. So um, we went in, we offered that price and the agent just went, oh yeah, yep, okay, I'll get back to you this afternoon. This was 4.30, five o'clock, something like that. I think he got back to us at 10 o'clock that night. He's like, congratulations, Charlie, you just bought 20 Nambung Place. You got the deal by $1,000. Can you believe that? And this house, you've been there, some of you, it's everything that God, um, everything that we believe we needed in order to minister the way that we do. And uh, such an incredible blessing for us. God also calls us to intervene for people. And, and uh, sometimes that happens in the most crazy ways. And uh, there's a young male that I used to mentor at a particular place um, from this church, and we mentored in the shopping centre. And so I was sitting there one day, and I was trying to tell him about how God calls us to intercede for people and things like that. And he goes, well, well how do you know? I said, well, let's just sit here, and let's just, let's just look around at these people that are around us. And we're sitting at a coffee table. I said, well, look at this group that's right beside us. And there were these ladies. I don't know if they were social squash players or whatever. I really don't know. But they were having a wild time. They were laughing their heads off. They were all interacting beautifully. They were obviously very good friends. I said, look, I said, they're doing life. I said, they're loving it. I said, there's no problems there at all. I said, but, I said, can you see that guy behind the coffee shop there? You know, it was just a big open coffee type shop. I said, can you see that guy? He goes, yeah. I said, he's got problems, mate. I said, he's got some decisions that he's making. I said, it's not going well for him right now. I said, I don't know exactly what's going on. I said, he goes, are you for real? I said, yeah. I said, I believe that's what God's telling me. He's like, Charlie, he said, I know this bloke. I'm going to go get him. And I'm like, oh, you're kidding me, right? So he gets up and he goes, gets this bloke. And he brings this bloke over. And this guy's like, Mate, are you kidding me? I was like, no. He goes, my wife and I never come out for coffee in the morning. He said, but we're trying to decide whether we should continue leading the youth group at our church or not. He said, it's just become so hard. He said, we're not seeing any return and we don't know what we should be doing. And I was able to sit there with him and my mate that I was mentoring. We ment- mentored this couple for about two hours. They're still leading that youth group in their church. It's God just bringing someone along to encourage and strengthen. And just that one prompting was enough for us to be able to speak into their lives. Um, Does anyone know Judy Scott? One or two? Okay, Judy Scott that was on stage this evening. (laughs) Judy being appointed as our worship director, it was a phenomenal thing. We've been praying about a worship director ever since I took on worship, possibly before I took on worship. And we so desperately needed someone to step into that role. And so we settled for Judy. No, that's not true, sorry. But it's so incredible how that happened because we were praying and God didn't raise anyone up. God didn't show us anyone. And I know we were gravely concerned for that. And there's one particular day I was actually praying and God said, why don't you ask Judy Scott? And I was like, wow, why didn't I think of that? Unbeknownst to me, Pastor Darrell, the same day, got the same thing from God. Why don't you ask Judy Scott? So I approached Judy that Sunday morning. I said, hey, Judy, I said, uh, just wondering if you'd be interested in taking on the director's role. We didn't know Judy's history and being worship director prior to that. And so God laid it on the heart of two people the same day. Daryl came up just after I spoke. Yeah, so Daryl walked up. Have you been speaking to Charlie? He goes, no, why? I said, Judy, sorry, he just asked me. Same thing happened with Margaret Chow. Who knows Margie Chow? Margaret Chow, she prayed on a Saturday. She was praying to God and she wanted to serve God. She wanted to in this place. And she said, God, whatever you give me to do, whoever asks me to do something, I will do it. And so I was praying for someone to help me with facilitating the rosters and things for um, the worship. And uh, suddenly Judy's, uh, sorry, um, Margaret's name come to mind. I was like, yeah, actually, she's quite organised. She, she, she'd be good at this role. Wow. I wonder why I didn't think of it sooner. 
And so God gives me her name. And I walked up to her just here. I met her just here. And I said, hey, Margie, I'm just wondering. She goes, yes, I'll do it. And I went, what? I said, don't you want to know what it is? And she said, Charlie, I prayed to God yesterday. And I said to him, the first person who approaches me and asks me to do something in the church, I'll do it. And you know, Judy has taken that role. Judy. Margaret has taken that role on. She's done an outstanding job. She has been totally invaluable. But you know what? She considers that to be training ground and a blessing from God. As much as it was a heartache and a strain for her, now she's setting up her practice. If she didn't have this that she believes God gave her, she wouldn't have been able to tolerate all the problems and issues that she's faced in trying to set up her medical practice. And so she sees this as God's hand all the way through. So God spoke to me, but it was a blessing to her as well. Do you want some more? I can keep going. Yeah? We'll close in one song. Yep, more? Okay. There's one afternoon, I was sitting in my office. I think David and Brendan can testify to this. I've been praying about a particular young female in the church. And I thought, God, I'm just going to contact this girl. I'm actually going to speak with her. I'm going to see if she will give her life to you today. I believe it's time. And so I started contacting this girl. And as I was corresponding with her, it was via messenger. Brendan walked past me and said, mate, this girl's about to give her life to Christ. And I kept typing, and it was about 15 minutes later she did. She gave her life to Christ. It was just such an incredible thing. But God had laid her on my heart. It was just the right time to contact her, right time to correspond with her and things like that. And I sent out that text that afternoon to all the pastors and said, she just gave her life to Christ. There was also another situation where um, we, we were having a prayer meeting here, and uh, God laid on my heart one person in particular to pray for. I actually stopped the prayer meeting and said, God has told me to pray for you. Why is that? And uh, she actually at the time said, oh, I don't know. It's because she was embarrassed about what the situation was. Maybe I shouldn't have singled her out. I don't know. But I just believe we had to pray for her. I said, that's cool. I said, let's just pray for her anyway. So we put her in the middle. We laid hands on her. We prayed for her. And later we found out what the situation was. And she definitely needed prayer at that time. And that situation, what actually happened, caused her to change the direction that she was going in. And she ended up more committed to Christ as a result. They're the types of things that God will do and continues to do. I remember another situation. This one wasn't in this church. It was just before I left Birkdale. Uh, there was this young lady that came forward for prayer at the end of the service. And uh, she, she presented a few things to me. And I was a bit of a loss, to be quite honest. I didn't quite know what to do. And so I was like, oh, God, I said, silently, I'm praying, God, please help me in this situation. I don't know what to say to this young lady. I don't know how to get her back into relationship with you. And God said, take her outside. And I'm like, okay. He said, take her out into the middle of the paddock. And the church of Birkdale had an open area, somewhat like we've got out here. And so I said, hey, I said, come with me. I didn't tell her what I was doing. We walked out in that middle of the paddock and, and we stood there and God said, get her to look up. I said, look up. She was in tears. And I was like, what's going on here? And she said, who told you to do this? I said, well, I, I believe God did. I said, I believe God told me to bring you out here and tell you to look up. She goes, this is how I used to connect with him. And I haven't done it for so long. And, and so this, this is incredible. And this girl, she's reconnected with God. She changed churches, which is fine. If, if any of you ever want to change churches, we're never, ever going to stop you from doing that. We'll celebrate that you're going to another church. But leave well. 
Let us do that. Let us pray for you. And so this girl went to another church. She's excelling in that church. She's serving in that church. She's doing so much stuff. Such an incredible blessing from God. And guys, I'm standing before you as a pastor. You might think that I'm something more elevated than you, that I'm somehow more special than you, that I have an extra portion of Holy Spirit or something. That is not true. I'm no one special. And I never thought I would be a pastor. And so the call on my life is just a call to be a pastor for this season. The call on your life might be a call to be working at McDonald's. The call on your life might be a call to sweep floors. The call on your life might be a call to be the greatest doctor that Australia is ever going to see. The call on your life might end up being you as the greatest evangelist. Whatever it is, God calls us as individuals and he speaks to each and every one of us. I only shared from my own experiences so that I could show you multiple occasions where God has spoken. It is not a rare thing. He does it regularly and he does it to bless us. You have to believe that. And if you have never heard God speak, I hope you continue to come for this series. I hope that we can encourage you to dig deeper into his word and then to discern his voice so you can honour him by responding to him. That's what this is all about. We want you to grow. If we need to do something different to help facilitate that, please let us know. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm happy to talk to you about any of those um, situations. I'm happy to talk to you about more of them. But um, I want to encourage you. You can actually hear from God, okay? He'll direct and guide you. First and foremost, I want you to be still before God. I want you to find a quiet place where there's no distractions and I want you to spend time with him. That's what I want you to do this week. I want you to believe that God is going to speak to you. Don't allow the evil one to tell you that's not going to happen. God will speak to you. I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to ask him to reveal to you anything that is preventing you from hearing from him and then deal with it. Ask for his forgiveness, ask for his restoration, ask him to cleanse you and then move on with him. Make sure your motives are pure. I want you to pray. I want you to pray without seeking. I want you to be mindful of God throughout your days. And if you haven't prayed today, ask yourself why. And maybe, maybe you'd say you were too busy. Maybe you'd say you'd think it was a waste of time. Maybe you'd say that God never answers. They're all excuses. Jeremiah 33 tells us that when we call on God, he'll answer us and he'll tell us great and hidden things that you didn't know. You think of the things that I've just told you about in my own life. I didn't know any of those things. That was God's hand. That was his purpose. And he revealed those to me so that I could work within his will and purposes. And we need to persevere and trust him that he's going to do it. And we have to be aware of the enemy. He doesn't want you to connect with God. He doesn't want you to know God's voice. He's going to try and mimic God's voice and lead you away from him. Don't give him that ground. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, first and foremost, that you are a true, living, loving God. And I thank you, Lord, that you want us to have relationship with you. And in wanting relationship with you, Lord, uh, uh, you want to speak to us. You want us to hear your voice. You want us to respond to you. And Lord, I pray more than anything that tonight people have been able to hear you, that they will realise, Lord, that as I have spoken, I am nothing special. And that, Lord, you speak to everyone else in a similar fashion. It's just we don't hear you. Lord, teach us to hear your voice, I pray. Teach us to respond to you. 
And Lord, if anyone here has questions, please let them be willing to ask. This is about eternity, Lord. This is not something to play with. And we want people, everyone here who's hearing my voice, to be in eternity with you and together. So Father, continue to do your work by power of Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And Brendan has a box. <laughs> Thank you.